0: All right, I'm going to read today from Galatians, and we're going to talk a little bit from Galatians, and uh, I actually forgot my glasses, so I'm going to read from the screen. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. I'm going to read the whole chapter, y'all, so just hang with me. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, if, if all you got today was reading a chapter from the Bible That would be something, okay? So, here we go. You foolish Galatians. I hate to even start with that, um, (laughs) but that's how it starts. So, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On, on the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Lord, I pray Uh, that you would speak to us today from your word, that you would teach us. Um, I pray that uh, you would impart to us, reveal to us. uh, Lord, we want to walk out of here today uh, with a better understanding and a deeper experience of what it means to walk in the Spirit and and not to be uh, slaves under the law. We want to be sons born of your spirit, daughters born of your spirit, rather than uh, slaves under the law. So show us, Lord. If there are things that we have misunderstood, things that we have misapplied, help us. Help us to, to walk in alignment with your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, as we read through Galatians at chapter three, it's a powerful, powerful chapter. Um, some of it is very clear. Some of it, you read it and you go, "Wow, yeah, that makes sense." And some of it, you read it and go, "Wow, that makes no sense." And uh, so, hopefully, by the time we finish today, you'll have uh, a little bit, maybe, a better understanding of, of what Paul's talking about in Galatians three. Uh, but the thing, one of the main things we need to realize about the law is that the law always points to the promise. Uh, the law doesn't stand alone. The, the, law, the purpose of the law is to point to the promise. In, in Romans, Paul explains that the purpose of the law is to point to our need for a Savior. Uh, if the law could be obeyed, maybe it could produce righteousness, but it can't be obeyed. No, it, it's impossible to fully keep. Uh, in the Old Testament, the law and the promise have to stay connected. Uh, The law without the promise just produces death. Uh, So what is the promise? And the promise is Christ in you. Not just Christ with you, not just Christ for you, but Christ in you. That is the promise. In in the middle of the Garden of Eden, there are two trees. There's a tree of life and there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you can eat from any tree, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, Reading the law or reading the gospel will have a very different effect on you depending upon which tree you're eating from. Uh, Unfortunately, there are churches all over the world who are filled up with people uh, who are eating from the wrong tree. And one of the reasons they're eating from the wrong tree is because they're being taught uh, from the wrong tree. Uh, you've, you've heard me say this before, and I will say it again, and you'll hear me say it till Jesus comes back. Uh, his call to us, his invitation to us, is not come and live your life for me. His invitation has always been, come to me and let me live my life in you. Let me put my spirit in you and live my life in you and through you. That's why Paul says in Colossians 1:27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So Jesus in you is the only arrangement that produces life. Jesus in you is the only arrangement that produces life. Every other way leads to frustration, it leads to defeat, and it leads to death. Uh, the tree of knowledge says, read more, study more, Try harder, and eventually you'll get better. That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says. Work harder, try harder, give it more effort, and eventually you'll become good. C.S. Lewis said, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried really hard to be good. Jesus said in John chapter five, verse 30, this, this is huge. Think about this. Think about who, not just what he said, but think about who is saying this. John chapter five, verse 30, Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. That's Jesus. Jesus said that. In John 14.10, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Now, if Jesus is dependent on the indwelling Spirit of the Father, the indwelling Spirit of God, How much more do we need to be dependent on the indwelling spirit? Now, there are two problems with try harder, work harder, put forth more effort, just read more, witness more, give more, pray more, go to church more, and eventually you'll be like Jesus. There there are two problems with that. Number one is that it doesn't always work. Number two is it's not the gospel. That's a bigger problem. Now, I want you to listen closely to what I'm about to say. Um, don't, don't hear part of what I'm saying. Don't hear what you think I'm saying. Uh, don't run home and say, Tom says we don't have to read the Bible anymore. Um, Tom says we don't have to pray anymore. And Tom says we don't have to go to church anymore. That's not what I'm saying. So listen closely to what I'm saying. All, all those things. You know, praying, reading the Bible, going to church, giving, all, sharing your faith, all of those are wonderful things if, if they're done from the right tree, if they're done from the right tree. If you do all those things because those are the rules, Tom, we have to do them. Those are the rules. Now, understand this about me. I'm a one on the Enneagram. Y'all know the Enneagram? If you don't know the Enneagram, don't. Just forget, forget we ever said it. On the Enneagram, I'm a one, and the one is a perfectionist. The one uh, is, is a, I like to say reformer, but a lot of publications say perfectionist. And the, any, the, the one Enneagram one lives in a very black and white world. In other words, there's a right way and a wrong way of everything. And there's just not a whole lot of gray. There's, there's the right way and the wrong way. And, What that does when you're not healthy is it it will allow you or cause you uh, to drift into legalism. And uh, in case y'all didn't know, legalism is not good. So if you do all of these things, you read the Bible, you pray, you get up early in the morning and pray, you come to church every sunday you're in a small group you're doing everything you join a team you serve a team you do everything you're just constantly doing all these things sharing your faith all the time if you do those things because those are the rules because you don't feel because you feel guilty if you don't because you believe that god will be mad at you if you don't or you believe that somehow if you do those things more and more and more, God will love you more than He does, they will mostly produce in you slavery. Now, I say mostly because the truth is that the Word of God is so powerful that even when you read it for the wrong reason, it can change you. But mostly, uh, it will produce bondage and slavery and, and legalism. However, you can do those same things, all of those same things, because you love God and you want to know him better, because you're grateful for the free gift of salvation, because you love God and want to advance his kingdom. And if those are your motivations and you're doing the same activities, they will have a profound impact on your life. In other words, according to Paul, the hope of the gospel is not grit your teeth and try harder. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That is not the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is Jesus in you. In you. Not just Christ for you, not just Christ with you, but Christ in you. If you eat, from the tree of knowledge guess who's in charge of your life you are if you eat from the tree of the of, if you eat from the tree of knowledge the knowledge of good and evil then you are in charge of your life the bible says that when you eat from that tree you become like god and what that means is you get to choose for yourself your path or your pattern or or what you're gonna do and what you're not gonna do. Guess what the problem with that is? Anybody know what the problem is with you being free to choose your own adventure? You're gonna choose the wrong thing. You're gonna make bad choices and it's gonna put you in a ditch. If you're living from the tree of life, then the law actually becomes good news. If you're living from the tree of knowledge, the law sounds like bad news, and the reason is because no matter how hard you try to do it, you can't. But if you're living from the tree of life and you're living by the Spirit, it actually becomes good news. In in their book, Jesus' Manifesto, Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola said this, the Bible teaches the highest possible moral values. But the Bible is fundamentally not about morality. Following the Lord Jesus Christ involves living out the highest moral values. But following Jesus is fundamentally not about morality. Conversion to Christ involves a moral transformation of life. But conversion is not fundamentally about morality either. And here's why. The most moral, unsaved person on the planet needs Christ just as much as the most immoral one. It is Christ, not morality, that saves us. It is Christ, not religion, that saves us. And this is the message that Paul is preaching to the Galatians. In verse 2, he asks them the fundamental question, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing? Now, Paul's appeal to the Galatians is based on their experience. He is reminding them of what they experienced in God and, and with God. We're led to believe that the conversion that they experienced was pretty dramatic. He even mentions miracles and signs. Did you receive the Spirit and did you see the miracles and experience the miracles that happened because you obeyed the law or because you received in faith? So, for Paul, receiving the Spirit is the identifying characteristic. Of the Christian. We are born of the Spirit. This is why Jesus talks about being born again. He says when he's asked by Nicodemus, how do I have each other born again is by the Spirit of God coming into us. Ephesians says that you were once dead in your sin. The thing we have to understand, when Jesus said to Adam and Eve, if you eat from that tree, you will die. And they ate from that tree and they died. Now, they were still living and breathing physically, but they died spiritually. They lost their ability to connect with God and relate with God. And so when we are born, we are born in sin. Our spirit is dead. And until by faith, we invite Jesus into our lives. Our spirit remains dormant. But when we are born again, Jesus kisses our spirit back to life. Now, I remember this, this woman on the first row, she, this is my wife for those of you that don't know. And that becomes important when I say this next thing. I remember the first time I kissed this woman. (laughs) My whole body shook. And I pretty much have never been the same since. But that pales in comparison to being kissed by Jesus. Kissed to life by God. Can you imagine? And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, do you not remember what happened when you received the Spirit? Do you not remember? So Paul's appeal to the Galatians is based on their experience. And in fact, Paul would say, this this is the fulfillment of the law. It's the Spirit coming into you and causing you to come to life. So Paul wants them to grasp this. They received the Spirit while he was with them by believing and surrendering to Jesus. And that all these things that were being added, all of the things that were uh, additional requirements from the Judaizers came later. Now, if you don't know what a Judaizer is, I would say a Judaizer is exactly what it sounds like. The Judaizers were a group of people who wanted to make all believers Jews. And so they took these people who had been born again, had the Spirit of God, they took them and added layer on layer on layer of law to make them look more like Jews. Now, verse 3 says, having started by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? It's really easy for us to read Galatians 3 and have the same response that Paul had. Oh, foolish Galatians. Until we take a step back and we realize that we do the same thing. We do the same thing that they did. We start... With the Spirit. We have this incredible encounter with God that is life-changing. We recognize, maybe for the first time, that we need Him. We give ourselves to Him. We're born again by His Spirit. And then somebody comes along and tells us, oh, but you have to do this, this, and this. And the next thing you know, we're walking in slavery again. Forgetting. Uh, believing that, okay, you, can, you may be saved by grace, but you're sanctified by human effort. Now, y'all know, I, if you know me, you know that I love spiritual disciplines. I do. I love the spiritual disciplines. But the spiritual disciplines done uh, out of human effort or the spiritual disciplines done uh, because the motivation is if I don't do them, I'll feel guilty, That just puts me in the ditch. The spiritual disciplines are beneficial to us because the desire of our heart is to know him more. To be more intimate with him. To experience his grace. To grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. In verses six through 14, Paul goes so far as to say that those who depend on the law or cursed. Now the key to understanding what Paul is teaching in Galatians is understanding the purpose of the law. And the purpose of the law according to the gospel is to expose sin. That's the purpose of the law. Paul would say when a person chooses to govern their life by the law rather than the spirit, they are choosing failure. Because that's all the law can produce. That's what the law is intended to produce. The law's purpose is to show you that you cannot live a righteous life without the Spirit. The law curses because that's that's all it can do. It was not given to produce righteousness or bring salvation. It was given to expose sin. The cross breaks the curse of the law. Faith in Christ brings the promise of the Spirit. Verse 17, Paul makes this point. There's one seed. Not a whole bunch of seeds. There's one seed. One offspring. Not offsprings, but it's only Jesus. Life comes only through faith in Jesus. Not through faith in Jesus and something else. Now, This makes perfect sense when you realize that God made a covenant with Abraham that was based on faith. And the law was not given to Moses for 430 years after the promise was made. The covenant is a promise. You can't earn it. You can't earn it through human effort you can't earn the covenant by obeying the law. Listen again to verses 23 through 26. I think they're going to throw them back up on the screen. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to read it from this version. But you can read along from there. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. You are all daughters of God through faith. In other words, the law was given to reveal sin and point to the solution. We have a sin problem and the solution is Jesus. There's no other solution. If you're living under a cloud of performance, if you're living under a cloud of guilt, if as a believer you constantly feel ashamed of yourself because you just can't measure up, you constantly feel guilty because you're inconsistent in your quiet time, or your study of Scripture, or you miss a day of prayer, or you you set as a New Year's resolution on January the first to get up every morning at six o'clock and pray, and by January the third, you were sleeping until eight fifteen again. If that's the issue for you, and you constantly feel guilty, that is not what God has called you to. If you're living under a cloud of performance. And guilt or you're trying to earn God's love by doing stuff. You're living out of the wrong tree. We cannot save ourselves by trying harder. We can't sanctify ourselves by trying harder. Only Jesus can save. And he doesn't save because you've impressed him. Abraham told Isaac, took Isaac up on a mountain. Isaac knew they were going there to worship. He knew that there had to be a sacrifice. And Isaac said, where's the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. When Jesus came, John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Only Jesus can save. The perfect Lamb of God breaks the curse of sin and sets us free to live, Him in us the Spirit of God in us. Not just for us, not just with us, in us. The thing that Paul is trying to drive home to the Galatians is the thing that that you and I need to grasp ourselves as well. The invitation of God is not do your best, try harder, impress God, earn His love. Outrace your friends. It's not that. It's surrender to Him. Believe. Allow Him to live His life in you and through you. Live by the Spirit rather than trying harder in the flesh. Now, The curse of the law was broken by Jesus when he hung on the cross. And then the power of sin was broken as he rose from the dead. So he defeated both sin and death. And then he invited us to enter into that life by receiving his spirit. When the disciples, when Jesus met with the disciples and said, I'm going back. I'm going to the Father. I got a job for you. Make disciples of all nations. Try really hard. You'll figure it out. That's not what he said. He said, I have a huge job for you. Make disciples of all nations. Wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise because the promise of the Father, the Spirit of God in you, is the thing that will allow you and empower you to do all of the things that I've called you to do, all of the things. That includes loving your wives, loving your husbands, loving your children, loving your neighbor, doing your job well, all of those things, the power of the Spirit in us. And so Jesus invited us, he said, whenever you come to my table, remember. Whenever you come to my table, remember me, remember my passion, remember the the cross, remember the resurrection. And remember that he said, it will be better for you when I'm gone because the Father will send the Spirit to live in you. We're gonna have communion this morning. I'm gonna invite our teams if you wanna come. Uh, the servers and the prayer teams come and, and maybe the servers can serve the prayer teams um, before other people start coming. Um, I, I wanna invite you as you come to the table today, if, if you are one who struggles with this whole self-effort, just trying harder, rather than living in the power of the Spirit, I want to invite you to come, just knowing that everything you need is is in him. Everything. If you've never given your life to Jesus, we would love to pray with you today. And just ask God to come in to your life. He wants to do that. He longs to do that. He loves that to do now, We've got a couple of different ways that you can re- receive communion today. On this side, there's bread and juice. You can take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and receive it uh, in that manner. It's called intinction. On this side, we have those little packets that are, pardon? The frustrating packet that's hard to open. So it, yeah, if that's something you need in your life today. No, no, honestly, it, it, if you are more comfortable coming and getting one of these packets and, and going and serving yourself, we, we certainly understand that. And uh, with, you know, with COVID and all that stuff, some of you may prefer this and that's fine, it's good. So we have two options for you. And uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna open it up and, and you come when you wanna come. We're not gonna come row by row. We're just gonna let you come when you're ready because I want you to take a few minutes. I want you to pray. I want you to really you know, think about what we've talked about because it, it, it would be shocking to most of us um, if we really knew how many of us uh, spend at least a portion of our lives eating out of the wrong tree, trying to do things in our own strength rather than depending on God and trusting in Him. living living by the Spirit. I I mentioned I'm I'm a one and that when I'm unhealthy, I can drift into legalism and and I can lead legalistically as well. And we just don't, we don't want that. We don't need that. It doesn't produce the fruit that God wants to produce in us. And so, um, rather than and trying harder, maybe we can just learn to love more deeply. And that will produce a greater fruit in our lives. Okay? I'm going to pray for us. And then again, just come as you feel led to come. Or we, uh, we recognize the mystery today, the mystery of the gospel. It's, 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 it is a mystery. It is a mystery and, and sometimes it's even hard to explain. But the mystery is this, Christ in us. How, how can it be? How can it be? And yet, it's exactly, exactly the gospel. And so we invite you, Jesus, live in us. Live in us, transform us, make us like you. In Jesus' name. Amen.